How can you watch British Bake Off and not cry, though? <laughs> I mean, I guess you do it every week. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 14, Winterfest. And the beginning here is discussing Winterfest, basically. It's just a little blurb on what that means and what goes on and what happens during it. You're already laughing. What were you going to say? Nothing. I just... <laughs> this is Winterfest, where we talk about Winterfest. <laughs> You're like grapple for another word. Uh, yes. Herman. So it, it goes on to say in this intro blurb that it happens during the winter solstice, which is December 21st, and it's basically a celebration that the light is going to come back for the next year or until the next solstice, or at least it'll get gradually lighter and lighter, and they have a big hunt. It lasts three days. Uh, weavers use... There's six days. Oh, six days? Yeah, it's a oh, six-day three. Yeah, first three days pay homage to the darkness. The tales told in the puppet shows presented are those that tell of resting times and happy endings. And then midday, there's a hunt, and the next three is uh, days that look toward the coming summer. Looms are threaded with gayer thread, and the weavers take over and end the great hall to vie among themselves for the brightest patterns and lightest weave. The tales told are ones that tell of beginnings of things and of how things came to be. I just want to point out that this is kind of how the Fitz trilogies work out. Oh, really? Not like specifically like this, these three books, yeah. but like this trilogy, the second trilogy, and then the final trilogy. If we exclude the live ship yeah, trilogies. Yeah, and the Rain Wild. Yeah. Um, because this tale is of resting times and happy endings ultimately right we end this no i mean okay so a little bit of a stretch (laughs) yeah you lost me there for a second keep on explaining (laughs) at the end of this trilogy we have order restored the red ship raiders are no more they have been defeated and um, a kingdom is righted with rulers who care about the people put into place. There is a happy ending for everyone minus Fitz. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Jade gets to come out of hiding. Yeah, I guess if you don't look at the Fitz point of view. Yes, yes. Uh, on the whole, um, ultimately. there And there's a new uh, heir to the throne at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle trilogy of Fitz's, there's a hunt. They're looking for the dragons. They were wrong. They need to find a way to save the dragons to truly bring them back. This is the whole purpose of the middle trilogy is Mm -hmm. saving the ice dragon, kind of. Yeah, dutiful going to kill him. Right. (laughs) That's the hunt. And then the fool is on the hunt to save him. And yeah, I get it. So like there's like a hunting aspect. And then the final trilogy is there is one that tells of beginnings of things and how things came to be. We learn all about the fool. Yeah. And how the fool, yes, came to be, what happened. We have B picking up for the next generation. She's starting Mm -hmm. anew 
<laughs> and I don't know. I just thought it was a little interesting that you could work it in. That you could work it in. Yeah, I can I see mean, that. it's a little bit of a stretch, I know. But I just thought it was interesting how technically you could find those themes in the first, second, and third Fitz trilogies. I don't want to burst your bubble here. Oh, no. But the things that they list there are pretty generic to most stories. <laughs> Well, resting that's times fair. and happy endings, and tell the beginnings of things and how things came to be. <laughs> hmm. No, I do like it. Like all joking aside, that it it, it does fit. Like you know, generally, well, I kind of like it. You know, it's a vague, a yeah. vague set of uh, descriptors. Probably coincidental foreshadowing for the last trilogy, at least, because right. I don't know if Robin Hobbit even plan to write more at this point so it's kind of yeah. hard to say i don't know i just thought about though i tried to think hmm is this something she's doing in her series <laughs> and found a way to weasel it in <laughs> found a way to slink it in there oh, <laughs> finger guns okay moving on <laughs> starts off with fitz talking to himself about uh, trying to see the king and how he did not manage to do that. He had not forgotten that promise. He was still going to ask the king for Molly's hand in marriage. Um, And he kind of um, goes there and then gets turned away and then just kind of leaves. (laughs) Which... The fool kind of berates him for later on, but right. Wallace is at the door and he's like, no, he's not taking any visitors. And then Fitz kind of gives up and goes back to his room and then looks through Verity's manuscripts again of the Elderlings. And more importantly, as he points out in the next paragraph of the skill users, mm-hmm. because then he's wondering on, uh, thinking on how to draw them out without bringing dangers to them. Do you just make a general announcement at Winterfest? Like... Right. He's not making any progress, basically. Basically, yeah. And it also here starts his thought process on, well, what if we use the skill users we have? Yeah. And he begins musing that they don't like him, but that doesn't mean that they weren't faithful to Verity, which right. is very optimistic. Of, it is. From his perspective. I think the general tone is that he gets it's optimistic. <laughs> That's true. Um, but it's just this, well, since there's no safe way to call the skilled people that we need, why don't we just use what we have? And then, well, maybe that's not super safe. But also, Verity could probably retrain them. Galen's gone. Um, and it kind of goes into a little description of all of the people who are left, yeah. basically. I do want to point out before you get into the specific people that we get some numbers here. Eight mm-hmm. of us had survived the training. Seven of us had come back from the testing. I had failed it, and August had been burned clean of it. That left five. We don't know the person who died in the testing, because they never mention them besides, like, right now. Yeah. Yeah, I was... I underlined that, too, because... Or at least didn't necessarily die, but never came back, because Galen burned it into them, like... If you can't do this, don't come back because you might as well be dead, basically. Right. But there also is a high chance that Fitz isn't the only one who was in forged infested areas. True. And not everyone had the upbringing of being trained 
trained as an assassin from the age of five up. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but that, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, so it does take a closer look on the five that are left. Um, there's Serene, who blames Fitz for Galen's death and basically is no good. She's unsavable <laughs> in Fitz's mind, basically. Um, and then there is Justin, and he apparently is a very proud skill user. Yes. He's very too full proud. of himself. Yes. And then there's Carid, who used to be a Is that what we're going with? Like, I know we had this kind of conversation before, <laughs> because it sounds really close to Carrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Should right. we just call him Carid? I think that's the easiest. What did we say before? I don't remember. I think I went with Carid. Oops. <laughs> well, if there's any con- contingency problems, someone will let us know, I Consistency guess. Consistency problems. Yes. So Carrot Top. <laughs> Carid used to be sleepy and likable, but his eyes seem empty now. So he also seems a little unfortunate. Burl had let his physical strength from being a carpenter go into fat, so he's kind of lazy now mm-hmm. and probably just uses the skill for everything. And Will is the last one, and Fitz says, Will had always been unremarkable. Skilling had not improved him. Which, we know he underestimates Will, first of all, as mm-hmm. does everybody else. And I think he underestimates Burl because he's still strong. Yeah. But it just like Fitz's view on this is all kind of shaded and I don't know. He does not have uh, optimistic outlooks on any of the these people. No, this is kind of the judgiest we see Fitz. I think typically we see him size people up in different ways and it's not always positive. But usually there's like a little bit of good in there of like, here's something that's like good about them that I should be aware of but this is all kind of like regal <laughs> i suppose anyone I, of like the the noble court who does nothing he does not have a high opinion of that's fair but this is directly like peers the first yeah. time that we see direct judging of people who are on his level sort of mm-hmm. and i think it's just i wonder if that comes from a place of insecurity uh where he's kind of trying to justify his dislike for the group by saying well they're not that great anyway right you know yeah um although i'm sure some of his assessments are true uh that doesn't necessarily mean that these people are ones that he should be assuming are useless which i think he does i don't i don't know during this musing though he has fallen asleep and night eyes warns him that someone is coming so he kind of wakes up in the midst of his bed with covered in scrolls, mm-hmm. uh, gets his knife ready, and then Night Eyes says, oh, it's your female. It's fine. And Fitz sniffs the air and says, oh, yeah, it is Molly. So Night Eyes was using his sense senses, and Fitz was using Night Eyes, and they... Little little example of how they're working harmoniously together a little bit more that Fitz didn't even realize, really. Right. And Molly comes in, and she is concerned for him because the last she has heard and has seen is Fitz 
laying on a bed bandaged with a bunch of rumors going around about various things as we get into. <laughs> right. And Fitz decides to pretend to be asleep. Yep. Um, probably just to see what she'll do. And she, you know, is tuts over him like a a mother hen, picks up his belongings that are sprawled around him. He's fallen asleep <laughs> in the middle of his papers. So she picks them all up and puts them on the desk. And then, you know, she um, goes to give him a kiss and he can't stand pretending any longer and pulls her into a kiss. He says, yesterday I had been a man seldom touched. The clap of a friend on, a sh- on my shoulder or the casual jostling of a crowd or too often lately, hands seeking to throttle me. That had been the extent of my personal contact. Then last night, and now this. And that passage right there really kind of hammers in the lonely aspect of Fitz's life. Mm-hmm. Because we hear it all the time, like, oh, I'm so lonely, like, I don't have anybody. And it's true, but we're also like, oh, Birik loves you and Verity loves you, but right. like, he doesn't have anybody besides the people down at the docks who were his friends to like high five him and clasp him on the shoulder. Yeah. Like he didn't really have any hugs or anything like that. Right. Bjork doesn't seem like a super affectionate man. He's not like (laughs) straight up. Not patience probably has hugged him. What twice ever. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I think she would love to hug him more. Yeah. But, but it's all like, there's obviously awkward things there. So it really kind of that passage specifically does drive in a little bit more of, Fitz has had a very deprived childhood of any emotional or physical contact. Right. And I can kind of see his full grasping after whatever happens, like with Molly, because Mm -hmm. it's just that yearning, like, this is actually nice. I need more of this. Right. And he thinks that she's the only one who could ever possibly give that to him because she's the only one who does. Right. For a really long time. (laughs) And Night Eyes agrees. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, not so much aloneness here. More like pack. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also marked that. The sensation of Night Eyes being able to tell that this is different, we're not alone, is kind of sad. <laughs> because, I mean, it kind of shows how much that's seeping into Night Eyes's worldview. Yeah. But also, I suppose... Wolves are pack animals, and yeah. currently he is physically alone in a shed somewhere. So, you know, he probably also feels alone, and that doesn't help like, feed into each other, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't have the most healthy way of dealing with their emotions, especially as, like, young things. I was going to say young people, but... <laughs> Night Eyes is not a person. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. like, yeah, they both have the same feelings, and they just compounded. That's We saw the same thing when Fitz and Night Eyes met each other, where Fitz was drawn to his anger, and they just kind of reflected that anger back and forth at each other because right. they were both really, really mad. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't good. <laughs> and we see that with, like, the aloneness and everything like that. And when something that is good happens... And Night Eyes agrees, Fitz is like, no, 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 back out. You can't do this. So he withdraws slightly from Molly. Molly's confused, obviously. And he has a conversation with Night Eyes quick of saying, you have to be separate 
with my time with Molly. I will share everything else with you. And I know you don't understand, so we'll talk about it later, but please, can you withdraw for now? And then Molly is concerned because he has been quiet. He's like mm-hmm. pulled back from her and is just like staring straight ahead and having this mental conversation. Mental conversation. So he looks like he's not there at all. Right. So she's concerned that she should leave. And Right. And we know that whenever he does this mental talking, he looks very dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think. Staring off into space. Patience so. has made comments on it before. Yeah. <laughs> and it just looks like he's not all there. <laughs> um, but in this conversation, Night Eyes points out, you are always marking off lines that do not exist. The meat, the hunt, the defending of territory and females. These are all pack. And it just goes from this sense of, oh, they're both lonely to, but yet they're so different. And they view the world so differently, mostly because Night Eyes is a dog. <laughs> wolf. <laughs> wolf. Don't insult him. He's oh, insulted by that. Remember? That's right. <laughs> he is a wolf. So And Fitz is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I don't know. It's just so interesting um, seeing the logic of, of an animal versus human in mm. this, even if it's imagined. And so he sets walls around himself and really controls himself to prevent skilling and to build up the wall between him and Night Eyes to keep himself centered in the moment. Right. And he says a cute line of, you know, you're exactly, always exactly what I need, always. And she seems so glad for that. And mm-hmm. they have a little conversation and how Fitz seems distant right there and how the rumors are kind of scary <laughs> and Fitz is like, excuse me, the rumors? What? What are you talking about? Right. And she thinks he's playing dumb. Yeah. Um, don't play cat and mouse with me. If you don't want to tell me, then say so. The king in waiting asked us not to speak of it. That isn't the same as not wanting to tell you about it. I suppose not. And I shouldn't listen to gossip. I know, but the rumors were so strange. And they brought bodies back to the keep for burning. And there was a strange woman weeping and weeping in the kitchen today. She said that the forged ones had stolen and killed her child. And someone said you had fought them to try and get the baby back. And another said, no, that you'd come upon them just as a bear attacked them or something. The rumors were so confusing. And these rumors again pop up later on in the chapter. But we see Mm -hmm. the start of something that... Fitz is half animal and there's yes. weird things going around when he attacks and kills people and Right. Well, to be fair, three grown man men attacked a teenage boy and when they came back, they were had been mauled by a wolf yeah. and a skilled killer, but mostly a wolf. Yeah. Fitz so, is not very skilled in direct confrontations at no. this point. No, I mean, he's better than your average 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, but I just could mean kill that. kill me pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I'm sure it did look like an animal attacked them because an animal did attack them. And mm-hmm. Fitz can't admit that an animal was there because that puts him in danger of 
revealing that he has a wit partner, but also if he doesn't admit there's an animal there, it puts him in danger <laughs> of being labeled as witted, because how else do you turn into a beast and attack people the way a wolf would? And I suppose they think it's a bear, so they're, I mean, it must be real bad. And we yeah. know he was fighting for his life. He would have died. Mm-hmm. And that also is a type of gruesome fight that you do anything you can to live. And so I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to lie to her or even to tell her the truth. I couldn't tell anyone the complete truth. So I just looked into her eyes and wished that things were simpler for us. And again, he says that King asked him not to speak of it, but gave her the basic outline, but deflected, you know, of any of his involvement. And then he brings up again the skill dream he had of Molly, of how she was in Silt Bay fighting off the raiders, and she fills in some details about it and says, like, how do you know this? And Fitz is like, I dreamed it. I have true dreams sometimes, not often. Molly admits to murdering the red ship raider that came after her. Mm -hmm. And she has... A really hard time accepting that it seems because she starts to tremble and talks about how she's never told anyone that and I really feel sad that Fitz does not open up to her more because I think she's such a complex person and she probably could understand even if it was just about this yes I killed those three people it was in self-defense obviously she would understand and I mean, I think she kind of infers that from his... Right, but... Everything. I don't know. I just think it very much contrasts the difference between the two of them, where she's openly admitting, with words, I killed a person. Like, she's putting it in the real words and not leaving anything out. And he has to skirt around and hint at. And I, I think that's where a lot of the problems come, because he feels that that is similar and that's the same thing. Um, but it's really not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just thought it found it very interesting to go from Fitz skirting around the idea that he kills people to Molly openly admitting that. Yeah. Do you think that's why she was trembling? I think so. Cause I like the first time I read it, I, I think so too, mostly, but the first time I read it, I was like, she's scared what he's going to say because she didn't tell anybody that she had killed somebody. Like, how does he know kind of thing? Mm. But I read it again and I, I think it's mostly that it was a traumatic experience and she's reliving it. That's what I've read it as. I guess it could also be scared. Maybe it's a little bit of traumatic experience. Maybe it's a little bit scared that somebody else knows like, if Fitz knows, who else knows who told him? I'm sure she feels guilty about it, so... Right. I mean, which is funny... Be- well, not funny, but funny because it's somebody attacking her and who would have forged her if she had not... Yeah. Or killed her if she had not killed that person first. And so just the, like, feel-bad nature of it is very human. <laughs> Uh, Fitz is about to promise that he will never lie to her, and she stops him 
and says that, I hope to spend the rest of my life with you. Make me no promises that you cannot keep for the rest of your days. And <laughs> at some time, uh, Molly got up and latched and barred my door. I remember sending up a fervent prayer that this would not be the night that Shade finally returned from his journeying. It was not. <laughs> yeah. So, see... With lines like, don't make any, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, with you, don't make any promises you can't keep forever. I don't understand how people don't like Molly so much. She's being so upfront and honest and she just seems so understanding and cool to me. I think a lot of the issues come later. Right, right. Definitely things get worse, <laughs> to put it lightly. But it's just here, like in moments like this, I'm like, oh, she's so cool. She like... <laughs> it's so vulnerable and open with Fitz and he's so not and like that's the whole problem but I don't know anyway so Fitz gets his wish that Jade is not coming down tonight thankfully yes. although I'm sure he would have known what was going on well, he's gone well right but if he wasn't oh if he wasn't yeah I think he probably has some sort of like speaker system <laughs> <laughs> To hear what's happening in Fitz's huh. room. Interesting. <laughs> well, if not a speaker, at least a little eye hole. I don't could, know. It could be. I could be wrong, but he seems to only open the door whenever Fitz is alone. So how else could you be sure? True. And so um, Molly heads out after... They spend the after she spends the night in t in the middle of the night. Still, she leaves, and Fitz falls asleep and is woken up by pounding at his door early morning when it's still dark out because Birik is freshly washed with axes, ready to go, and Fitz is like, "What? <laughs> I forgot about this." Uh huh. And so he's late there. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Birik is pounding on the door, and when Fitz finally does open the door, he mentions that the room smells funny mm -hmm. and Fitz tries to play it off as just a new type of candle perfumed candles they're supposed to bring restful dreams <laughs> Burek snorted that's not the kind of dreams that scent would bring me <laughs> it's just really funny because Burek knows I don't know why he needed to ask in such a weird roundabout way I don't know like, why did he even have to comment it on it at all? I, maybe he did it without thinking and then realized and Probably. then went, oh, gross. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> but also, he doesn't seem too happy about it. We know Bjork doesn't like the idea of Fitz um, being a womanizer. Yeah. Which this probably gives off the image of him being. So True. But he doesn't really, like, make any more comments about it now yeah um well there's no time for that there's yeah. duty first <laughs> yeah so he doesn't even seem angry or anything like that it's just comments on it then says hurry up we're late you gotta get up there <laughs> i guess it do does say he strides purposely down the hall and i read that as he was angrily walking away no. i definitely just made that up in my head <laughs> fitz starts to get ready and uh there's more pounding at the door and Fitz thinks it's Beric again, and opens it up, and the fool slips in. So we got the fool inside here, and uh, Fitz's Fitz demands, "What do you want?" 
in no mood for his silliness. He took a deep, appreciative sniff. Some of what you had would be lovely, he suggested, then danced back gracefully at the look on my face. I was instantly angry. He leaped lightly to the center of my tousled bed, then to the other side, putting it between us. I lunged across it after him. But not from you, he exclaimed. <laughs> so, uh, fool knows as well. <laughs> yes, I'm sure everyone knows. Well, not everyone, but anyone who yeah. comes to the room. But we do have, this is the first time we've seen Fool since he made a fool out of Fitz. Mm -hmm. And Fitz is still kind of mad. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially more so now. <laughs> I mean, it's only been a few days, I think, technically. Yeah, that's fair. It feels like more days, but that's just because... because we take a long time in between recording. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Fitz is obviously still angry about that, and... Um, he wants the fool out of his room because he one he thinks that their friendship is kind of on the rocks. Mm -hmm. Two, he's mad at the fool for embarrassing him, and three, he is late to a meeting with Beric right. and Verity. Yeah. So. Um, and the fool kind of picks up on this. Mm -hmm. He stops his joking around and asks seriously, "Are you truly upset with me?" Which is very rare <laughs> because mm -hmm. the fool doesn't really do serious or straight to the point questions at least in the first two books for sure yeah yeah and i think it's really interesting because we know fitz has been thinking about this at least once every chapter mm -hmm. between when that happened and now and he is mad at it yeah. he was mad at least he up until this point has said how mad he was at the fool but as soon as the fool asks him i was I said guardedly, you made a fool of me that day with that song before all those people. He shook his head. Don't take titles to yourself. Only I am the fool. And the fool is always only what I am, especially that day with that song before all those people. And I just thought, found it very interesting that as soon as he gets asked about it, he's like, oh, I guess I was upset, but I'm not anymore now that you're here. <laughs> and it's just such a weird... They have such an interesting relationship that's so... I don't know. So strange. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because of who the fool is. but And who fits. Is. And who fits. Is. They're both a <laughs> bunch of weirdos, but um, in the most loving way possible. And I don't know. I just... It really stuck out to me that it's literally been like two or three chapters since that happened. And at least once every chapter we hear about, I can't believe the fool did that to me. We're not friends anymore. I hate him. And now it's like, well, I was kind of mad, I guess. <laughs> like, okay, Fitz. <laughs> Fitz it once again says that like, okay, I need, I need to go though. And kind of tries to get the fool to understand like, hey, you have to leave too. And um, the fool is just like, oh, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Go ahead. And I'll stay right here. Yeah. Fool, I began uncomfortably. You are my friend. I know. But I like not to leave you here in my room while I am gone. I like it not when others enter my room when I am not there, he pointed out archly, archly. I flushed miserably. That was long ago, and I apologize for my curiosity. I assure you I have never done it again. Nor shall I after this. And when you come back, I shall apologize to you. Shall that do? 
Fitz says uh, that he's going to be late, or in his head that he he's going to be late, so he needs to kind of wrap this conversation up. Uh-huh. And asks the fool why he wants to stay in his room, basically. Asks if he's in danger, and the fool's like, I always live in danger, but uh, I look for a way to escape it, or at least lessen it. And he points to the scrolls of Verities, containing the elderling knowledge and the knowledge of the skill users that Verity has found. And Fitz then is very reticent to let him look at that because it's something that Verity himself entrusted to Fitz and Verity was not really keen on letting other people see it even Fitz really I mean he ultimately he Verity gave Fitz the key to the scrolls and everything but it was something that Verity had entrusted to find out for himself to look for patterns and do it quietly mm-hmm. And for Fitz to let somebody else into that is maybe seen as a little bit of a betrayal of trust. Right. Well, he thinks to himself, it is one thing to trust a friend with one's own possessions. It is another to allow him those another has put near safekeeping. Uh, so he really, it's not even about him not trusting the fool. Like yeah, he it's, said. A, it's, it's about yeah. his trust with Verity, yeah. pretty much. And Fitz asks, or offers to ask Verity first, and the fool comes back with, The less connection between Verity and me, the better it is for both of us, the fool spoke flatly. You do not care for Verity? I was startled. I am the king's fool. He is the king in waiting. Let him wait. When he is king, I shall be his, if he does not get us all killed before then. (laughs) Fool's a little salty. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty mad. He explains his point later right. on, but he's pretty angry at, at the whole situation, I'm I'm sure, here. But in saying something a little negative about Verity, it's kind of raised the hackles on <laughs> Fitz, because Verity's his king. Why would you badmouth somebody so great, is basically his question. And... The fool points out, he may be your king, but my king is shrewd. And there's no reason for that to make either of us angry. It just is what it is. (laughs) And Fitz points out, that may be so, but at least I'm not making fun of shrewd in front of you. And fool points out that he doesn't visit him either. So I guess they're even... (laughs) Fitz says, like, I was turned away, and Fool's like, would you walk away from that if it was Verity's door? And Fitz is like, probably not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Fool comes back with, why do you give him up so easily? The Fool spoke softly like a man grieved. Why does not Verity bestir himself for his father instead of luring away Shrewd's men to his side? And Fitz basically says that you know Verity didn't lure me Shrew just has not seen fit to call for me basically he he doesn't call on me mm-hmm. I help Verity out instead right and I've gone to Verity's side which is a little bit of a self-delusion mm-hmm. and even though Verity hasn't specifically lured Fitz over Verity has been kinder to Fitz in general and that is something that 
right. is very alluring to Fitz. Although, now I rarely take Shrewd's side in things. But is Verity being that much kinder than Shrewd was to him? Or is it just that Verity doesn't like Regal? No, I think Verity has been much kinder. He sent him toys before, like his old toys. He's um, actually had conversations with him. He, you know, treats him like a general person, like he's valued. I guess. You know? Yeah. Well, I think Shrewd treats him like he's valued. Yes, but and, as a tool, and the whole Mountain right. Kingdom thing really upset him. But I kind of think Verity, in some ways, treats Fitz like a useful tool, too. And as much as I love Verity and I like the relationship that he has with Fitz, I still think that there's a little bit of Verity using Fitz in it that oh, I, I don't think I talk about very often, yeah. if at all. <laughs> um, but I think it's harder because Shrewd is the king currently, and so it would be hard as a young child to warm up to someone who is the literal ruler of the world in your eyes. <laughs> I mean, obviously just their kingdom, but when you're young, you know, might as well be the whole world. <laughs> and has the power of life and death over Fitz, which Verity will have eventually, but because Verity does not hold the power yet, I think it was easier for Fitz to get closer to him. Because there wasn't that looming presence of maybe he's the king. I mean, I think there's always going to be a a level of using people when right. you have superiors telling people what to do. Right, definitely. And yeah, Verity does use Fitz, but he's sorry for using Fitz, and Shrewd is not. Shrewd uses the tools that he's given, and I think Fitz can sense the the feelings of Verity and he is connected with Verity through the skill and is like, I don't know. I just, I just think there's more of a connection there, mm. not just from, you know, alluring him over because Shrew right. is the no. ultimate and Verity is lower than him. And no, I don't think that's approachable. happening necessarily. I just think that maybe it's all a little bit of a little bit of a show, you know, that's not, necessarily what i wanted to say but i can't find the words i want the fool does say that we both have common enemies as men of our kings we both do not like regal so you know why can't we get along basically why can't we share these resources we need to all that we can to you know stand united mm -hmm. <laughs> against something that we both dislike and he says that these scrolls are not a task that can wait upon Fitz's convenience. It's something that needs to be done. And the fool is very desperate for the information that could be contained in this. Yeah. He first comes to Fitz and is like, hey, I'm going to read these or I'm going to stay in your room at least mm -hmm. because you stayed in my room that one time. Trying to guilt Fitz into it. Mm -hmm. Fitz doesn't really go for that. Or he's sorry. And the fool tries a plea on like, why can't we, you know, be against Regal here? Mm -hmm. And Fitz is kind of on the edge. And then finally the fool has to come to him like, I'll offer you a bargain. 
let me read these and I'll tell you who I am or like the secret of me. Yeah. He's really trying to manipulate Fitz into letting him read these, which I mean, the fool could do at any point when he was gone. But I mean, it's it's manipulative. But at the same time, the fool really wants to stay on good terms with Fitz. Right. That's very clear because he could have just snuck in at any point. But it just reading this scene is just like, wow, the fool is like really going hard at just yeah, you like we were talking about using Fitz in mm-hmm. any way he possibly can. And a little of the comment before uh, when he first came in of some of what you had would be lovely, but not from you. Uh, which makes me think like the fool isn't really friends with Fitz right now. Like, they're friends, but they're not close. They're not... They don't have that deep connection, really. I think Fitz thinks they do, and the fool is growing to like Fitz a little bit more, but it's still not... Like, I think the fool is like, I can work with this guy. He seems, like, kind of fun. Like, we like each other, whatever. But it's just not as deep as it is later on in the book. The fool thinks they're work acquaintances, and Fitz introduces him as his best friend. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's what I think, like, is still the situation with the relationship at this point. Yeah. But it's hard to read The Fool, too, so. It is hard to read The Fool. It's hard to know what's going on in his brilliant little mind. Um, (laughs) I think they must be closer than just work acquaintances, as I had so nicely put it. Just because he is going through this, or wants to go through the scrolls with Fitz's knowledge of it. He doesn't sneak around. And I'm sure he'd be a lot better at putting things back where they belong and not letting Fitz know that he had been in the room than Fitz was at uh, not letting the fool know he had been in his room. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I think this is like the starting of a bud of a friendship. And they ha- there has to be some level of trust because the fool is offering a secret. Right, yeah. I mean, there is, definitely. Right, right. But I don't know. And it does kind of, it does work. It Kind of. Yeah. It's offered as a bargain and mm-hmm. Fitz accepts. And... Fitz wants to know yeah. if it's freely given. Yeah. And the fool says honestly, no. Offered as a bargain, as I said. Which I thought was a very interesting distinction. It also, yeah, that's true. It is interesting distinction, but it's also a little bit of a return to um, wordplay. Right. Just like, no, I, I told you it's a bargain. Like, <laughs> right. But I wonder. Free. I wonder if it is kind of like, no, I would not freely give you this information, but I really need this favor, so that's where we're at. Yeah. So Fitz gives him the room. He says, I'll see you later. Latch the door when you leave. And he rushes up the steps to Verity's tower. Runs. Yes. Yeah. And gets there and Birik is kind of frowning at him. Verity is already skilling out and he's turning towards him with basically like a vacant expression Mm -hmm. says there was a drugged look to his eyes and mouth a laxness painful to see when one knew what it meant the skill hunger gnawed at him i feared what he wished to teach me would only feed it and increase it yet how could either of us say no i had learned something yesterday 
It had not been a pleasant lesson, but once learned, it could not be undone. I knew now that I would do whatever I must to drive the red ships from my shore. I was not the king, I never would be the king, but the folk of the six duchies were mine just as they were shades. I understood now why Verdi spent himself so recklessly. And again, that touches on a little bit of what we spoke on last week, of what you were hinting at. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that idea fully Fitz's that he came to organically, or was it prompted and pushed by his contact with Verity? Well, he's having the idea again, only when faced with Verity. As Verity is skilling. Yeah, but the line of thinking does specifically touch on that. Sure. I'm just saying that yeah. it's interesting that it only pops up whenever Verity's around, which I guess you get to thinking about other things, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I do want to say if if it is a, a push from Verity, I don't think Verity is aware of doing that. Interesting. I don't think he would feel like he had to instill loyalty because he feels that already from his contacts with fits of like how much he adores Verity and everything like that. I don't think he would feel the need to push Fitz further because he already feels sorry for what he's had to put him through. Mm. It's my personal feelings about what Verity would and would not do. Obviously we don't even know if he did (laughs) have influence on that thought or not. Interesting. I don't know if I agree fully. I don't think he's like, as ruthless as his father or Chade. But I think it's possible for him to see an opportunity and think, well, I'll just nudge him a little bit closer to the right path. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily with any ill intentions in mind or I'm using him as a tool. So I must do this, but like a, Oh, well I'm addicted to skilling all the time. And I see that his thought process is really close to what it should be to be useful to me. Oh, I might as well just like nudge it into place a little bit more. I don't know. Like he couldn't help it in some way. Yeah. I don't know. Birk is questioning him on his health, and he asks, No tremors, Fitz Chivalry? No darkening at the edge of your vision? No dizzy spells? I paused to think for a moment. No. Be damned. Birk gave a snort of amusement. <laughs> Evidently, the cure has been to beat it out of you. I'll remember that the next time you need a healer. <laughs> Which is true. He hasn't had any uh, dizzy spells or weaknesses pretty much since he took the time to rehab himself. Yep. After Birik took him out drinking and said, hey, Molly watches you too, probably, (laughs) and is getting information. You're not the only stalker, creepy boy. True. Take care of yourself. And he started exercising more and grooming. And we. I, I think it maybe mentioned like... He got weak easier and maybe had a little bit trembling, but since that chapter, I don't think we've had anything. Yeah, I think there was a couple mentions of like trembling, but it was hard to tell if that's from mm-hmm. fear of a situation or, you know. I think he, he mentioned it while climbing down the wall to Molly's room, maybe. There might have mm-hmm. been like a little mention of like, I didn't know if my trembling was from the exertion or whatever, but I didn't want to keep doing it to start a fit or something like that he also trembles the whole time that they're talking last chapter um about the freedom of country and stuff (laughs) like how bad things got and fitz almost died yeah i mean which could be a trauma response yeah it could be just shock or trauma but but it could also be just weariness i mean he was probably pretty tired true 
Um, but yeah, so it's crazy how when you take care of your body, it does pretty okay for itself. <laughs> it's almost like you should try to be healthy. Ooh, we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> so he gets beat up by Burek here, has a few more bruises, uh, mostly from himself, he says, then Burek actually trying to hit him. Uh, Birk says be on time and Fitz goes down to the kitchens to eat and is trying to rearrange his priorities in his head and get on top of his life again. He's on one of those highs where he's like, I need to, I need to do everything. All my chores, mm-hmm. I need to clean my house. I'll run these errands. I'll get it done. Yep. My new year's resolution starts today and I'm going to do everything. Winter's fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... He uh, decides to start with King Shrewd, that is at the top of his list, and resolutely puts Molly to the last of that list. Right. Although he does not want to. Yes. Um, I did want a quick... Shrewd reminded me, I wanted to ask, do you think the fool is using today as the day to search through the scrolls because he knew Fitz would be with the king, and he needed to do that himself? Or... No, I think it's to prompt him to visit the king again, to move along the plot, you know? Mm-hmm. It was it was partially the fool telling him, like, hey, why don't you ever visit King Shrewd? If you were turned away at Verdi's door, you wouldn't have just walked away. Right. Like, do it for your king. So I think he kind of guilted fits into that a little bit. And also, with the meeting with... Beric and Verity and everything like that. He's like, okay, I should take control of my life again. And that he's been meaning to do that and had promised himself mm-hmm. to talk to the king. So I think it's just a little bit of combination of those pushes. I don't think the fool knew directly that he would go. He probably knew it was a possibility that right. Fitz would go. But yeah. And I, I'm not sure if that prompting or the asking of the fool... For for Fitz to go visit Shrewd is based on his dreams and what needs to happen, or if it's just his genuine love for King Shrewd. That's fair. I really don't know. I don't know either. Because I feel like it could be his just genuine love and concern, and like, why, why don't you like Shrewd as much as Verity? Right. Well, there's also... <laughs> I've been thinking about how... Um, spoiler alert, but when Shrewd dies, <laughs> when Shrewd dies, it's blamed on Fitz, and this seems like not a great path for his catalyst to be on. And I wonder if he took that risk because he would prefer putting Fitz in a little extra danger to losing someone that he finds to be a friend. You know, I don't know. I just was thinking, like, it might... If Fitz never went in to check on him, he probably would have died sooner. Yeah, that's true. And there would be less hassle. I don't know. But then, I don't know. I think there there must be something with Shrewd lasting as long as he did. Because Verity would be able to take over earlier and, like, fracture things. And, I don't know. It, it would be, like, right on the heels of Verity leaving, I think. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Either way, he decides to visit King Shrewd now, and on his way out of the kitchen, he talks to Cook a little bit. And 
and she immediately kind of talks to Fitz under her breath, so none of the rest of the uh, the kitchen can hear, and is basically saying, "Hey, you're you're a good kid. I don't believe any of the bad rumors about you." And once again, Fitz is confronted by this rumor thing of how he's half man, half beast, and tearing all these people apart because he's an animal and Fitz is like thank you (laughs) right and I just so this is where we first see the words that you fight like a beast because you're more than half beast are what they say that's what the people are saying why are people calling him a half beast? Where do, is this like a sort of racism towards mountain people that they're beast like or are people guessing he's witted? I just don't understand where I know. I mean, we know that the bodies are basically mauled. But why do they start associating him as a half beast? That seems so specific and weird. Why don't they just say he is an animal? Well, it says... And then what says you fight like a beast because you're more than half beast are talking evil nonsense. I I really think it stems from the fight with the men, the foraged ones. And like the rumors spread like there were animal prints around, there were jaw marks on almost all of them. Scalp was torn to shreds, like all of that sort of stuff. Like So you think this is directly related to wit? Like, this is people, like, starting rumors. They don't know right now, but they're, like, starting rumors that he must be witted because of... I don't know if they're if they're saying it's wit, but I think there's, like... There's those connotations. It's just, yeah, it's just associating him with the animals at this point because, like, he's a crazy berserker fighter or whatever. Right. But that's what I... I don't know. I guess I just don't understand... How they so quickly get to the half beast? Because he was the only one there when they found him. But there were animal prints around. I don't know. It's just uh, it's common folk superstition. <laughs> what are we I mean, to understand that? I don't know that anybody would be looking at the footprints around and noticing that there are dog or wolf prints. Maybe, but I don't know. It just feels like. I mean, I guess maybe they were like looking closer because they wanted to not believe that Fitz would do this on his own. Who knows? I don't know. I just found it very interesting that we see the start of the beast man rumors. And we also have Cook being so sweet. I'll not have ill said of you here in my kitchen. She's it's just so nice. She's always liked Fitz. Right. But I think it's nice to be reminded every once in a while that there are side characters that we don't get to hear much from that also love and support Fitz. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that he's going to go uh, wait on King Shrewd, and she sends him up with some tea and some of his favorite pastries. Mm-hmm. And Verity chimes in, like, hey, those are my favorites, too. <laughs> and Fitz is very startled because he d- didn't know that Verity was still riding with him. And they have a little conversation where Fitz is kind of embarrassed about not realizing it. 
And Verity's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, do you want me to leave you alone? I'll, I'll make sure that you know whenever I'm still with you. And Fitz just basically says, oh, uh, don't leave yet. We'll just ride it out. We'll experiment here, see how far we can take it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Fitz is doing that because he knows that the king is bad and wants Verity to see? Or do you think it's truly just... I think it's truly just... Let's see if Shrewd can figure it out. Well, um... It's because they need to figure out how to carry this anyways. That's like their goal for the spring. I guess, yeah. And this is, what, the second day that they're trying it. So if they can maintain contact this long without Fitz knowing it, it's a good test for Fitz to go on and carry on a conversation but still have Verity in his head. Yeah. I think that's what they're thinking about because that's what the axe is for. It's for training this specifically. Right. And learning how to fight with an axe, but... So he heads up to uh, Shrewd's door and pounds on it until Wallace eventually comes and opens, unlatches it and opens it. And Verity is very surprised that it is even latched to begin with mm-hmm. and that his father usually has a man posted at the door. But we know from Fitz that a man hasn't been posted there for a while because the last like three times Fitz went to the door. It's just been Wallace answering the door. Yep, because it's been locked from the inside. So obviously Verity doesn't get to see his father very often in his own chambers. (laughs) Yep. So when Wallace answers the door, um, he tries to say, oh, King's asleep. He won't see you. Or at least he was asleep before you pounded on the door. And either way, you're not coming in. And so Fitz puts his foot in the door and shows his fox pin. Uh, Not the fox, but it's just a redstone pin oh that's the right fox the fox is a uh, ketchikin later right i forget i just mm-hmm. assume it's fox anyway she's the vixen queen <laughs> so he shows his red pin that the king gave him and says the king gave me this and whenever i show it it means i will be permitted to his presence no matter what and wallace resp- replies with even if he's asleep he placed no limitations on it do you I glared at him through the crack door. And then he concedes and lets Fitz in. And kind of starts talking some smack. Just like, by all means, come in. Super sarcastic. Come see your sleeping king. Bother him. Bother the ill man more. What could be better for his health, basically? Mm -hmm. And Fitz kind of just ignores it and is like, Great, cool. Um, I brought him some sweet pastries, and to which Wallace is saying, "Ooh, that'll be bad for his digestion." How thoughtful. <laughs> he turns to the bedchambers, and Wallace is finally, "Will you truly bother him there?" Well, why not? You've shown no other manners. Why should I expect consideration now? Wallace's voice was full of snide condescension. I gripped my temper. Don't just accept that from him. Turn and face him down now. This was not advice from Verity, but a command. Verity's probably never realized how bad it is for Fitz. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) Nobody's ever talked to Verity that way. I mean, I'm sure he gets a few, like, little comments. And also he can tell what people are saying behind their back. (laughs) True, but nobody talks like that to him. Right, right, right. And... I'm sure he didn't realize that this Fitz is able to 
like acknowledge this was rude, but kind of try to control his temper to not say anything. And Verity can't. And I think it just shows that he isn't aware of the kind of treatment that Fitz probably has to deal with on a daily basis. Also, that's Wallace is literally below him in the hierarchy as well. Yep. Like, so he, he should not be saying those things. So I think Fitz was well in his right to do that. And Verity was reminding himself that he can have some pride right. about who he is. But I think I'm sure Wallace isn't the first one below Fitz's station to say oh, unkind things. No, I'm not saying things. that at all. Yeah. And I also think Shrewd has taught Fitz or Chade, I'm sorry, has taught Fitz that it's better to just let it go because it brings less attention to you in the long run. Yeah. And it doesn't make it look like you're vying for the crown whenever you demand respect of people, which is also good for optics. So. (laughs) So Fitz questions Wallace after this, that the room smells like smoke. And why are you using smoke? Because. You know, it's this isn't a thing that healers or sick men should use. It's for pain, basically, right. or a drug. And he explains to, to Verity what he means by that. And Verity comes back with, oh, yeah, uh, his mother also had a, a liking for it. Regal's mother. Yes. Regal's mother also had a liking for it. Along, uh, She called it Mirthleaf. And Fitz is like... It's almost the same thing, but the one in the mountains is much more potent. And it's like good kush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Wallace is like, are you claiming to be a healer? And again, Fitz is like, no, but I have a working knowledge of herbs, and this is not something that a sick man should have. And Wallace is very slow to answer, but he comes back with, well, a king's pleasures are not his healer's area of concern. And then Fitz offers, perhaps they're mine. And he opens up the bedchamber, and he sees a terrible scene, and Verity agrees with him that it is unlike Shrewd in every way possible. It is very messy, it's dirty, it's closed, there's no windows open, there's no sunshine coming in, the fire's on very hot. Very dank. Very dank, very musty, just not... Not looking good. (laughs) No. Beside it was a goblet of lukewarm red wine and a bowl of some nasty gray gruel gruel in it. I set the vessels on the floor and brushed the table clean with my shirt sleeve before setting the tray down. As I approached the king's bed, there was a fusty, fetid smell that that became even stronger as I leaned over the king. This is not like shrewd at all. Verity shared my dismay. He has not summoned me much of late, and I have been too busy to call upon him unless he bids me to. The last time I saw him was in his sitting room, in an evening. He complained of headaches, but this... Wallace is peering around the door, and Fitz becomes super angry, slams it in his face, and locks it. And uh, Verity does not think that's a good idea, which it is not. Well, he only says something after Fitz starts opening the windows and cleaning the room. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) That's when he's like, okay, Fitz, you're being a little rash here. Flings wide the wooden shutters and, you know, jerks aside the tapestries and everything like that. And Verity's like, well, you, we shouldn't do this. 
and then <laughs> starts cleaning things and tries to tell Verity to send, you know, serving people to clean up this room, send, you know, a serving boy with warm water so we can have a bath. And Verity's like, I can't do that. And if you took a moment, you would know why those orders can't come from me. Right. Because no one knows Verity is looking out of Fitz's eyes. Exactly. And all the while, while Fitz is doing this and having these conversations, Wallace is pounding at the door, demanding to be let in, and Fitz goes by the door to say, hush, you'll wake the king, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. <laughs> He's taking uh, Verity's order a little bit too far of uh-huh. standing up to Wallace, because <laughs> then it goes quiet and Wallace leaves mm-hmm. we know he's going to collect uh to collect regal and his cronies but fitz continues to clean up and i want to say that uh specifically that he starts dumping out the sensors of ash and herb out of the open window i brush the clinging ash out with my hand to free the room from its reek and i believe in the next chapter uh, he gets a contact high, basically, from the smoke. A very concentrated one when he's down in Winterfest. And at the end, I believe Patience and uh, Lacey collect him from the stairs talking to some serving girl that is flirting with him. And he's like, I don't know where anybody is or whatever. And Molly is just waiting in her room by herself. And it's a whole big ordeal. Uh-huh. Because Fitz cleans out this ash without thinking that it is... In fact, a drug. Right. <laughs> when he just mentioned in the previous paragraph that it was a potent drug. Yep. Yeah. That's our fits. Never really thinking things through. <laughs> because without washing his hands, he then washes the king's face and then eats a pastry with him yep. after the king wakes up. Which also fits. The water, he notes that the water turns yellow. Yeah. Which is really gross. Yeah, the king has not bathed for a while. No. Well, he hasn't bathed because Wallace tells him it'll make him ill, mm-hmm. which is so fresh. This makes me mad to read through just because, like, imagine if that was your grandpa. My my <sighs> mom uh, was an advocate for the elderly in nursing homes and assisted livings, and this kind of story here, this part just makes me so livid because it's some of the stories that she would tell me mm-hmm. just trying to get it off her chest of like what was happening in these it's just like learn how to take care of somebody yep oh my gosh yeah. it's, it's just it's frustrating and we know that they're purposely doing this which makes it worse right um because if it was just incompetence you could almost forgive it although you'd think Common sense would let you know something's wrong, but, you know, maybe they're just dumb. No, they're willfully mistreating the king. And even if it wasn't the king, this is despicable. Right. And just horrible to do to anyone. And it's working because Mm -hmm. the king is now unsure Oh, yeah. And fully trusts Wallace. Yeah, he can't do anything without him. When the last time we saw the king with Wallace was, Wallace doesn't know anything that Sheffers used to do, my previous serving man. So, yeah. like, you, you, you're you dismissed, Wallace, for now. I can just talk to Fitz by himself. It's fine. Yeah. So it's a big change. And how, I guess we don't know for sure how long it's been since that last visit. 
at least a couple months. That one specifically was for taking on a job. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if that one was up in to take care of Virago. I think it was. I think it was too. And that's before the Ketrican mess, right? I think so. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> but just in a couple months, Shrewd is reduced to staying in his bed. He is very hesitant to do anything without Wallace or against Wallace's advice. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, I, I don't know. The window's open. Why is the window open? Wallace has warned me about taking a chill. I opened it to clear the air in the room, but I'll close it if you like. I smell the sea. It's a clear day, isn't it? Listen to those gulls cry a storm coming. No. No, close the window, boy. I dare not take a chill. Not as ill as I am already. Fitz asks how long he's been ill, and Shrewd says, Long enough. Oh, forever, it seems. It is not so much that I am ill as that I am never well. I am sick, and then I get a bit better. But as soon as I try to do anything, I am sick again, and worse than ever. I am so weary of being sick, boy, so tired of always feeling tired. That little comment there of, I, I mean, I don't have a working knowledge of chronic illness or, or even, honestly, a lot of different illnesses or the symptoms, but it just seems to me, with what we know is going on, he is kind of perpetually kept in a sickened state. Mm-hmm. He could, yes, he's ha- been having headaches and he could be forgetting things and that could be natural with dementia that runs in the family. Mm-hmm. But feeling always fatigued and tired and not doing anything and when he's getting a bit better, all of a sudden he's super sick when he tries to do anything when he's better. Yeah. It just reeks of someone keeping him down so he doesn't do anything in the kingdom. And right. so he loses the visibility to the people and loses that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely sad to see him fall so far. I also wonder if part of this is skilling him to believe that Wallace is correct. Skilling him. We know that whenever the weaker you are, the easier it is for skilling to happen to you. That's why Galen broke down everyone so that he could more easily get into their mind and pass their defenses to shape them the way he wanted to. Um, And so I wonder if the theory is don't bathe him, don't change his sheets or clothes, get him high all the time. So he's delirious. Just this way he, we can more easily take from him from the skill, but also get in his mind and make him believe us. Though, if they had the idea to make him believe Wallace, why wouldn't they just have him declare Regal King? But, I don't know. They have a little conversation. Um, Fitz is still trying to entice him to have some tea, have some pastries. They eat a pastry together, and Shrewd seems to be doing okay. Um... He bade me join him, and I ate a pastry with him, licking the rich filling from my fingers. (laughs) I understood why they were his favorites. He was well into a second when there were three solid thuds against the door. Yep, Fitz licking his fingers after cleaning out the ash. Smart. Yep. Super smart. And Regal is at the door, and he is basically demanding, like, if you don't let me in, you shall die where you stand, if any harm comes to my father. Yep. 
And Shrewd is very uh, kind of upset and very questioning at what is going on because he's like, what's this, boy? The door barred? What goes on here? Regal, what goes on here? They pay me to hear the king's voice crack querulously. Across the room, I unbarred the door. It was flung open before I could touch it, and two of Regal's more muscular guards seized me. They wore his satin colors like bulldogs with ribbons about their necks. I offered no resistance, so they had no real excuse to throw me up against the wall, but they did. It awoke every pain I still bore from yesterday. They held me there while Wallace rushed in, tut-tutting about how cold the room was, and what was this, eating this, why it was no less than poison to a man in King Shrewd's condition. Regal stood, hands on hips, very much the man in charge, and stared at me through narrowed eyes. Rash, my boy, I very much fear that we have overplayed our hand from Verity. Mm -hmm. Regal confronts Fitz here, asks him what he's doing, and, and, you know, like, why he was doing the things he was doing. And Fitz kind of responds with the truth here. He says, I came to report, and I saw that he was ill-cared for, so I took it into my own hands. And then he says that I found his chamber untidy and musty, dirty plates left about, the linens of his bed were unchanged. And he says, I, I dare speak the truth to my king because he has ever demanded of me, and we have that understanding with oh one another. Well, because Regal cuts him off to say, dare you say such thing? Yeah. Regal hissed. So Regal's really putting on this performance of oh yeah, Fitz is trying to meddle with the king, mm -hmm. which is odd because the only one not in on this little play is presumably the king. So I don't know who he's putting this act on for. There could be some other guards in his thing that that aren't for sure under his wing. I guess. Yeah, but also, like, why would he tell his guards exactly what his plan is either? I suppose Wallace for sure knows what's going on. I guess, but not the guards. And I guess you never know who's listening and whatnot. So, but it's also to say, how dare you say such things in a room that clearly has a stack of dirty plates <laughs> by the door next to you is disgusting. Like, how's he going to pretend like he doesn't have eyes? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It just makes me so angry. Regal in general makes me so angry. Something in the confrontation had stirred Shrewd to a shadow of his old self. He pushed himself up in bed and looked about himself. The fool has likewise made these complaints in his own acid way, he began. Wallace dared to interrupt him. My lord, the state of your health has been tender. Sometimes uninterrupted rest is more important than rolling you out of your bed to fuss with a change of blankets or linen. And a dish or two stacked about is less annoyance than the rattle and prattle of a page come into tidy. King Shrewd looked suddenly uncertain. My heart smote me. This was what the fool had wished me to see. Why he had so often urged me to visit the king. Why had not he spoken more plainly? But then, when did the fool ever speak plainly? Shame rose in me. This was my king, the king I had sworn to. I loved Verity, and my loyalty to him was unquestioning. But I had abandoned my king at the very moment when he needed me most. Shade was gone, for how long I did not know. I had left King Shrewd with no more than the fool to protect him, and yet when had King Shrewd ever needed anyone to shelter him before? Always that old man had been more than capable of guarding himself. 
I chided myself that I should shel- that I should have been more emphatic with Chade about the changes I noted when I first returned home. I should have been more watchful of my sovereign. He's really uh, hard on himself here, with kind of good reason. Yeah. He has neglected his duty to his sworn king. Mm-hmm. Chade told him that he was that he was going to be traveling and gone, and. Fitz didn't really do anything with his time. Besides, nope. he fought a few forged ones. He helped Verity out in a couple cases, mm-hmm. but Chade left, and Shrewd was kind of left by the wayside then. Yep. Yeah, and it's really sad, this moment of Shrewd doubting himself. Yeah. This is the powerful yeah. Shrewd who has always been the chess player, not a chess piece. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad to see him diminished to the role of another of a piece. pawn. <laughs> yeah, a pawn on the playing board. And I don't know, it's just really... I mean, we see little bits and pieces of it all along of, where's Wallace? And I might catch a chill, Wallace said so. And I don't think I should do this thing that I clearly want to do because Wallace told me not to. To then see Wallace cut him off mid-sentence and then make him unsure of what he's saying. It's just so gross and horrible. It's mean. Mean doesn't feel like a good enough word, but it is. And it's just... As much as I am hard on Shrewd and don't like him as much, I feel like I'm being really easy on him this chapter. (laughs) Because I feel so bad for him. Well, he is a victim in this. Yeah, he for sure is. And it doesn't matter some of the more shady things he's done. He is an elderly person that is dwindling in mental capacity and is being taken advantage of. And it's really hard to see. Prince Regal asks how Fitz even got in. And they have a conversation about the pin, which Prince Regal's like, oh, that's nonsense. Why would you believe that he has a pin that would grant him access to the king? And Fitz interrupts him and says, Prince Regal, you know it is true. You were witness when King Shrewd first gave it me. I spoke quietly but clearly. Within me, Verity was silent, waiting and watching and learning much. At my expense, I thought bitterly, and then strove to call back the thought. He pulls out the pin, and Regal's like, I don't remember anything like that. But Shrewd says, come closer, boy. He takes the pin from Fitz, and Fitz says, my heart sank inside me. And then interrupts Regal when Regal tries to interrupt him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Says, Regal, you were there. You do recall it, or you should. The king's dark eyes were bright and alert as I remembered them, but also plain were the lines of pain about those eyes and the corner of his mouth. King Shrewd fought for this lucidity. He held the pin up and looked at Regal with a shadow of his old calculating glance. I gave the boy this pin, and my word, in exchange for his. Then I suggest you take them back again, pin and word both. You will never get well with this type of disruption going on in your rooms. Again, that edge of command in Regal's voice. I waited, silent. And the king goes on to say i i gave those things the pen and the word and the word can't be recalled Mm -hmm. and we have an agreement do you agree that once a man has given his word he may not take it back the old test was in that question 
As ever I have, my king, I agree with you. Once a man has given his word, he may not call it back. He must abide by what he has promised. Good, then. That's settled. It's all settled. He proffered the pin to me. I took it from him, relief so immense, it was like vertigo. He leaned back into his pillows. I had another dizzying moment. I knew those pillows. This bed. I had lain there and looked with the fool down on the sack of Siltbe. I had burned my fingers in that fireplace. The king heaved a heavy sigh. There was exhaustion in it. In another moment, he would be asleep. I want to talk about that briefly before we finish out this chapter. Mm-hmm. Do you think he sh- he's skilled right there? Shrewd. Ooh. I want to, I want to read these things again here. Do you agree that once a man has given his word, he may not take it back? The old test. Uh, Fitz agrees, and then he says, Good, that's settled. It's all settled. He proffered the pin to me. I took it from him, relief so immense it was like vertigo. He leaned back into his pillows. I had another dizzying moment. I knew those pillows, this bed. I had lain there and looked with a fool down on the sack of Silpe. Those lines right there make me think that Shrewd was like connected to his mind briefly, or just making sure that promise was kept, or it was secure, or some sort, because Fitz has two moments of dizziness, and then specifically remembers the other time that Shrewd was scaling, and that they were mm-hmm. connected. I don't think there's like strong evidence for what happened, or anything, but it just it brings to mind like he is so exhausted after this, yeah. And there is such a line of focus from him in the first like couple lines ahead of that that it makes me think that he was really trying to focus his mind to skill out and use whatever shred of strength he had left. Hmm. Now that you're pointing out the like specificness of it, I guess it does make sense that maybe there's a little skilling there for sure at the end, intentional or not. I don't know. I felt like We've seen Shrewd do this taking of strength to be lucid in front of people. Um, The Fool mentions it last time they were together, that it costs him much to seem the way he does in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that it's a choice. And obviously, earlier in the book, he could do this for longer. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily the skill that he's using, Right. Or if that's like skill techniques of just focusing your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like putting up your walls really tight so that you can focus on what's directly in front of you and not the wandering thoughts. Um, And maybe in doing that, there is a little bit of skill. And when they touch hands to get the pin across, there's that connection because they have been connected already. Mm -hmm. They've shared minds already. I just don't know what Shrewd would have done, and Verity doesn't mention anything. Right. And he is looking out of Fitz's eyes. So I I really don't know if there was anything to it. It just brings to mind something, because there is a specificness about those small two lines of, like, you know, the vertigo and then a dizzy moment and then remembering the skill connection. Do you think... He's letting Fitz know that he knows Fitz was there. Like, this is a... but he already did. Like, at the end of that chapter, he's like, there you are, my boy. (laughs) He, like, kind of kicks him out to his own body. Yeah, but... So Shrewd already knew. 
the Fitz didn't really know that, didn't seem to realize that that is yeah, true. him being acknowledged. He still thought it was a dream for a really long time. But I'm wondering if, and maybe it's just reminding Fitz he's in his corner. Like We're connected. Yeah, I be. trust you. You've been in my mind. You know. I want, like, maybe it's some sort, trying to be some sort of message and he can't get it all the way out. He's too weak. But it's just a reminder of things aren't good. I am sick, but I want my kingdom taken care of. Right. Yeah. It could be. Or maybe I mean, it was a message for Verity. It could be. Yeah. It could be a direct connection with Verity. Or it, honestly, it could have just been focusing his mind and the skill slipped out a little. Or nothing at all. I'm just saying just focusing in mind to be attentive and then Fitz is literally just that relieved that it's kind of like, ooh, okay. And then that bout of dizziness recollects him to being in an old man's body in that bed or something. I don't know. Maybe. It could be a lot of things. It just that passage specifically brought up the question for me. Yeah, it's a good catch. I would be curious to hear what everybody else thinks if you think that this is a moment of skill and what that means please let us know yeah continuing on though um regal once again has commanded in his line here forbid him to come and disturb you again unless you summon him regal commanded and again there's before then i suggest you take them back again pen and word both regal or that edge of command in regal's voice this whole thing is like you said, taking advantage of Shrewd and Regal is taking mm-hmm. over these commands and telling his father what to do. And I, the way that he's very confident in it, it seems to have worked in the past for certain things. Mm-hmm. But right now, Shrewd calls him over. Fitz, come here, boy. And like a dog, I came closer to him. I knelt by his bed. And I want to say that uh, long ago in the first book, I think, we pointed out that Robin Hobb uses a lot of dog descriptors for Fitz mm-hmm. and it does continue throughout like all of the books yeah. which is kind of fun to see a very pointed reference to it here <laughs> he lifted a thin hand patted me awkwardly you and I boy we have an understanding don't we a genuine a genuine question I nodded good lad good I've kept my word you see that you keep yours now but he glanced at Regal and that pained me It were better if you came to see me in the afternoons. I am stronger in the afternoons. You slipping away again. Shall I come back this afternoon, sire? I asked quickly. He lifted a hand and waved it in a vaguely denying gesture. Tomorrow, or the next day. His eyes closed, and he sighed out as heavily as if he would never breathe in again. As you wish, my lord, I concurred. He straightens up, puts his pin back on, and asks formally to Prince Regal, if you will excuse me, my prince. <laughs> Get out of here, Regal growled. And he leaves Shrew's chamber. Realizes he didn't ask Shrewd for permission to marry Molly. And mm-hmm. says I didn't want to do it anyway in front of everybody else. Right. And asks Verity to leave him alone. I'd like to be alone for a while just now, my prince, if you do not mind. He vanished from my mind like a bursting soap bubble. Slowly, I made my way downstairs. It is a very heartbreaking chapter. We have another beginning where Fitz realizes he isn't alone, but 
Even in these scenes, we see issues with this relationship between Molly and Fitz, and Fitz and Night Eyes. Boundaries aren't set, there's not truth between all of them, there's just issues with everything, and as rereaders, we know where it's ending up, and it is pretty tragic where that ends up. Yeah. Even if, like, you know, six books later, there's somewhat of a happy ending, briefly, mm-hmm. it just leads from one thing to another because then the fool comes in and he's guilting Fitz about not doing his duty and then Mm -hmm. Fitz tries to do his duty but then he realized he actually he was neglecting his duty with Trude. There's just too many moving parts and maybe if the fool was braver and actually told Fitz what was going on and like worried less about how it would affect the path um there could be problems solved there. Maybe if Fitz wasn't so wishy-washy about whether or not he wants to do his duties. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's all hard. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I can say I like this chapter, but it is a good chapter. I think this chapter is very informative, and we learn... A lot about the state of the royal family. Yes. A lot of the things that we've been putting off thinking about for the past couple chapters. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's really easy to forget that the state of the royal family is also a very important thing. Yeah. It's Um, not just Fitz's problems. No. And also, I mean, the red ships are so scary and Mm -hmm. dangerous that I think it can sometimes blind the reader fits definitely verity to other things that need to be done which is fair but it makes it harder whenever we're jerked back into the view of hey here are all the things happening because you're not focusing on them which is the beauty and a detractor of a first person point of view book yes because things are moving in the background that the reader does not see Mm -hmm. until it's presented to the main character. Which is done so well by Robin Hobb. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's totally believable that this is going on the whole time that we're not seeing it. This isn't just the king only exists when Fitz recognizes that he exists. There's no otherness about him. There's There's agency in all of the characters and they have their own plans. And yeah, there's a fullness to the world that is very nice to read. I was thinking this chapter in general is a very good kind of foreshadowing for the rest of the series mm-hmm. because we can see, like I mentioned before, the issues with Molly and Fitz, how Fitz doesn't want to tell her anything. Uh, we see rumors being spread about him being half man, half beast, mm-hmm. and that crops up a little bit later in this book. We see um, Verity very in the skill when we meet him in person mm-hmm. and then later on Fitz doesn't even realize he's still connected to Verity and then he pops up randomly mm-hmm. and that happens in the third book kind of like <laughs> yeah. oh man I'm still connected with Verity and he's still alive that's great and we also see the rise of Regal and the decline of Shrewd mm-hmm. it's all kind of set up in this singular chapter and the rest of these storylines play out through the rest of this book and into the third book Right. It's a very pivotal look into the future. Yes. We get to be 
the fool for a moment. <laughs> Brief moment. Yes. No one can fully understand the fool. I do also want to just finish up with a lighter note. Um, something that I found a little funny. The end here talks about Verity vanishing from Fitz's consciousness, like the bursting of a soap bubble. Something that we didn't mention earlier because it's not super important, but I wanted to bring up um, is that whenever Fitz and Molly are together earlier in the chapter um, hanging out, Fitz describes Molly being near him uh, at the sensation as um, like a soap bubble floating on the wind. And I just found it really funny that twice in one chapter we have these like little <laughs> mentionings of soap bubbles. And I just was wondering if maybe this chapter was written well, like near a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> and it just really mm, made me maybe. giggle a little bit. There's a lot of soap bubbles, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever seen used up until this point. Maybe. But it also gives me big Glinda the Good Witch vibes. <laughs> so. I don't know. I just thought I'd point out that little funny tidbit um, to lighten up this little bit of sad ending to a chapter. Thanks so much for listening with us. And please share your opinions on anything you have going on. Do you think Shrewd skilled out? Do you not? What's going on with Fitz's loyalties to the people all of a sudden mm-hmm. from last chapter? Anything like that. Thanks so much for listening to us. Email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, like, share with your friends, whatever you want to do with our podcast. We'd greatly appreciate that. Love to have more people to speak to. Mm-hmm. And you can also reach out to us on any of the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or on Reddit, isfitshappy. Okay, so now we only have one thing to talk about, um, and that is a message that we got on Facebook from Carrie. And we kind of touched a little bit on this theme throughout our um, discussions, Uh, but Carrie wrote to talk about the Fitz's 180 turn of loyalties. It's a, is Fitz's general confusion and flip-flopping a product of being influenced by a combination of wit and skill streams? In the midst of trying to be loved and belonging somewhere, we have Burek's and overall cultural disdain of the wit, Shrewd's skill command in the first book, Verity's skill influence and loyalty, and then Galen slash Regal's skill coterie doing who knows what behind the scene to subtly direct his thoughts. My headcanon is that that it is partially why Fitz becomes a hot mess in the next book, making bad choice after bad choice, then flopping at his attempted assassinations of Regal. This 180 moment is a pivot point for me. And then also talks about how Fitz is a very unreliable narrator, and that makes lots of room to to theorize about what's going on. Um, And I wanted to touch touch on this a little bit. Because I don't think I even thought about the wit coming into play here. Uh, I just was focusing on skill, I think. But we do know that Fitz is very largely influenced by heavy emotions. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Night Eyes whenever he finds Night Eyes in the uh, 
in towns, the, town. the yeah. town square, uh, the anger leads him there and he doesn't even realize that the anger isn't his own. And so I wonder if this room full of two grown men who are both probably feeling a little bit like, you know, frick those red ship readers. <laughs> <laughs> they, those are the worst that maybe Fitz is picking up on this and feeling you're right. I hate the red ship raiders and that should be my top priority because of the wit. And I don't know. I just really like the idea that the wit also has something to play here. It could, but again, that's, I mean, like you mentioned, it's Mm -hmm. largely emotional and you can't really get sentiments out of it. I suppose if it's like, unless you're directly speaking to a person and then they, you can feel their emotional reaction to what you're saying. Right. So passively, maybe the wit but i i just don't see how that would come to play more so than just birik's overall attitude and what he has directly said right <laughs> to fits about it right skill stream that's an interesting topic though mm-hmm. of how there's unchecked skill that's flowing through the six duchies or buck in general and Fitz doesn't really have walls ever. <laughs> yeah. Or so, when he does, they're too strong. Yeah. So he could have been influenced in some way. It's a really interesting topic. And again, like, I don't know where I fall on the whole thing of Fitz organically came to loving the people or was pushed in that direction. I just don't know. Right. Personally. I just think that it's so strange that he's able to drop everything later. And that if he truly cared about, although maybe that's just from bad experience of like, I tried caring about the people and they hate me. In my mind, it's this moment was more about justifying the horrid act that he did to those forged ones Mm. and justifying through Verity's words, finding the reason that like this was necessary. I need to do this. And it made him okay with himself. And later on, that just the the need to do that falls away. Yeah. Okay. But that would be for a... That would be for an explanation that he was not pushed into that. Right. So, I don't know. But in the third book, Harry, you're right. He does make a lot of weird decisions. Not yes. necessarily weird, but just bad decisions. <laughs> They are weird because he seems more competent than the decisions he makes. He's also way more emotionally messed up That's in the true. third book, having been through a death and a loss of your, well, the soulmate, according to him, in Molly, to, you know, Beric and all of those sorts of things. He just... Does that happen by the time he makes some of the more shadier choices? (laughs) I mean... Not around the castle, the ones that he makes. I mean, he kind of knows that Beric and Molly are together. They're not, like, romantically together until near the end. But he sees them, like, when he's still in the cabin. I guess I don't know. I can't distinguish where one book ends and the next begins. I assumed that that stuff doesn't happen until, like... Midway through the book? I don't know why through next the third book. One? Through, yeah, through next book. In my mind, this He book, dies in this one, I'm pretty sure. I don't... Does he? I think so. That's wild. I'm pretty sure in my brain, this book ends with 
Oh, when would it end then? Right. Oh, uh, with the fighting, I guess. Like the red, sh- it ends on like some oh. note about the war because no, they go I... to war and he fights in the ship on the ships. I'm pretty sure it ends with him getting like arrested and beat up and maybe dead. Mm. That could it feels be like I don't know. Not enough for next chapter left then. But then I guess maybe I'm just mashing all the like travel chapters together because I don't yeah, know. It's I very Hobbit esque in that there's a lot of traveling chapters <laughs> then. <laughs> I love it. I love travel chapters. <laughs> but either way, it happens in the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all he's oh, never makes good choices. But it is also very important to point out that he is an unreliable narrator, so we will never mm-hmm. know. True. Um, but thank you, Carrie, for that insight. It is a very interesting take and some things that I had not fully thought out. Mm-hmm. We see it does influence him later on with like the skill road and things. Right. And strong yeah. skill influence can make people make different choices like in the Rainwild cities and things mm-hmm. like that. So Yeah. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um but thank you for sharing it with us and letting us share it with all of you. <laughs> uh okay, well, don't hesitate to reach out everybody. Uh we enjoy hearing your thoughts and ideas and we will see you next week. <laughs>